It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey guys, Gronk here, calling a 30-second hair huddle. When it comes to tackling hair loss, Hims has you covered. From clinically proven regrowth treatments to thickening shampoo and conditioner. Just go to 4 for a free consultation. Then a licensed medical provider can help you with your game plan. If prescribed, Hims ships directly to your door. Get your hair back in the game with Hims. Try today and get a 90-day money-back guarantee at 4 Just go to 4 slash NFL. That's 4 slash NFL. Restrictions apply. See website for full details and important safety information. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL around the internet, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers. You can like us on Facebook where we post all of our episodes, and you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you find podcasts. You will find Locked On Packers. The show for Packer fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. And anytime you want to hit us up on the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that at 920-341-3775. And we're going to we're gonna get to a cross-section of topics on today's show before our crossover show tomorrow, working on getting a Chicago-centric guest for Thursday to talk about the Bears scouting report. I'm sure a lot of you watched in horror, in anguish, as the Bears defense dismantled the explosive Rams offense on Sunday night, but then also probably watched in delight as the Seattle Seahawks likewise throttled the Minnesota Vikings. And a couple things on this. Number one, everything really started to break right for Green Bay on Sunday with what happened. Carolina loses and... The Eagles lose, Washington loses. And what they needed to to sort of complete the deal here was obviously to win. They did. And they needed Minnesota to lose. And not only did Minnesota lose, Minnesota looks disheveled. They're kind of a mess on offense. And defensively, they have some key breakdowns at inopportune times. The last two weeks, I understand they're going on the road to play good teams, but they have not risen to that occasion, and they still have to play the Bears. They still have to go on the road to play the Lions in a game that's not going to mean anything to Detroit, but Detroit loves to play spoiler, and Minnesota just hasn't looked very good lately. Even even in beating the Packers, they didn't look great in that game. Now either did Green Bay. But for those still clinging to playoff hopes... What has to happen now, Philly, Washington, and Carolina all need to lose at least one more time. Given the schedules that they have and given the way Washington looks, they're a write-off. They're done. Bye. See ya. Thanks for playing. You're gone. All right? And and Jay Gruden might not even be the coach there next year. Philly is a mess, and they still have some extremely tough matchups left on their schedule. Still have to play the Rams in L.A., 
And I know the Rams didn't look great on Sunday, but at home against Philly, I don't know that we've seen anything from the Eagles to suggest they can go to LA Coliseum and beat the Rams. And Carolina still has to play the Saints twice in games that could still have meaning for them and probably will have meaning depending on how some of these Rams games play out. They're going to have to win week 17. So having to play the Panthers twice, worst case scenario, they're going to split those games. So that leaves Green Bay and Minnesota. And obviously that tie looms large. And that is an unfortunate circumstance given the way that that game played out and given the the ramifications that game has both in the record books, but also having to play all of that extra time, I do really think had an effect on the way that they came out against Washington because in the second half of that game, they made Washington look like, well, most teams made Washington look lately and they dominated that game in the second half. The, The problem is that tie and then the subsequent loss in Minnesota means that any record that Green Bay and Minnesota finish with that is the same Minnesota has the de facto tiebreaker in. So Green Bay can't go 8-7 and 1 if Minnesota goes 8-7 and 1. Now Green Bay can only go at best 8-7 and 1. So with Minnesota now being 6-6 six, six and 1, they find themselves in the position of not being able to lose two more games. As I said, they have the Dolphins this week, they have the Lions, and they have the Bears. And that Bears game may also have meaning because if the Packers win on Sunday, and that's a big if, clearly, but if the Packers win on Sunday, then the Bears would get to five losses. Well, the Cowboys have five losses. So are the Bears going to care between the three seed and the four seed? Uh, maybe not, but given the way the Seahawks look, they desperately are going to want to avoid Seattle. If you're the three seed, then you get to play the six seed, which right now looks like the most likely candidate anyway is Minnesota. Everyone should want to play that team because of the wildcard teams right now, they look like a mess. And we know that they're talented, but they look like a mess. If Green Bay can beat the Bears... They are now putting a lot of pressure on Minnesota to have to get more wins than they really look like they're capable of getting right now. The Dolphins, who Minnesota has this week, just beat the Patriots. Now, I know it was a last-second you know, hook-and-ladder play, but they were in that game from start to finish. They played the Patriots tough. The, the Dolphins already beat the Bears, with Brock Osweiler, Ryan Tannehill is in the game now, and this is a team that's played up and down all year, but Adam Gase knows the Vikings from his time in Chicago, so it's not like this is a team he's not familiar with. Mike Zimmer's team last night did not look particularly good. They didn't look particularly good against the Patriots either, and at various points this season have just kind of blod their way through games. Green Bay has an opportunity, and, and albeit against the best defense in the league and a, a, a red-hot team given what they just did to the Rams, a team that's going to be playing with a lot of confidence, but the Packers have won eight straight games in Chicago. And the last time they played the Bears, this same defense, Green Bay in the second half with Aaron Rodgers on one leg and chock full of Tordahl and, and Lidocaine and whatever they're using these days, 
to to shoot up players in the NFL. He lit Chicago up with limited mobility. He is much more mobile now, and he's going to need it given where this offensive line is. But if Green Bay can go get this win on Sunday against a team that they have owned, even in Chicago, even even in, in wonky years, even in games that they don't play well, they find ways to win. Even with Brett Hundley last year, they went in against this a lot of the same pieces, especially on defense. Obviously, Khalil Mack is a is a difference maker and a field tilter. And Roquan Smith has really come into his own as a linebacker. But Green Bay has the upside to get this win. And I think defensively, and this is something we talked about yesterday, defensively, what they showed against Washington, and I'm going to get to this um, in the second half of the show about this secondary and what they're able to do. Mitch Trubisky turned the ball over three times, three fumbles in in the Rams game. And that's what the Rams do. They're able to create pressure and create turnovers. Well, Mike Patton created a game plan where after outside really of the first two drives, Green Bay's defense shut Trubisky down even more effectively on a play-to-play basis than the Rams did. You add the interceptions, Green Bay secondary, Breland is healthy. Jair Alexander coming into his own as a defensive back. This is a a really favorable matchup, I think, with Mitch Trubisky. You you keep Josh Jones in as a linebacker to spy. He's got the speed and athleticism to keep Trubisky at bay, to run a little bit with Tariq Cohen. I think they're going to play a lot of these heavy defensive back personnel groupings again. I'm sure Matt Nagy is going to have a counter for that. And this is going to be a game of counterpunching. All of this is to say, Minnesota has not shown me anything in the last two weeks to suggest it's a playoff team. Now, Green Bay won a game against a fading opponent, albeit a talented one, and in impressive style. That is more than Minnesota has shown the last two weeks. Is that enough to balance out a a poop-tastic performance against the Cardinals that got the head coach fired? I don't know. But this is the NFL, and this is still Aaron Rodgers we're talking about, and he still has talent around him with Devontae Adams, Aaron Jones, David Bakhtiari still plays, and this is a team that is not going to have any fear walking into Soldier Field and playing the Chicago Bears. But the mess in Minnesota has a fringe effect for Packer fans, and it's something that I think Packer fans should be watching more closely. John DeFilippo is a name coming into this season and even last season that was a hot head coaching candidate. And part of that is that goes back to his days in Cleveland, his work with Johnny Manziel, making him look like a competent NFL player for a albeit brief time. Not not DeFilippo's fault that Manziel could not stay on the straight and narrow. And, and we find out later that that part of that has to do with mental health issues that Manziel had that, that probably needed to be treated, that the team could have, we don't have to go down that road. But the reality is that was when his star started to turn. And he was a big part of what the, the Eagles did with Carson Wentz and that development. He's an extremely smart, extremely well-respected coach. It's the reason he got the offensive coordinator job in Minnesota. That offense has been a bit of a mess. And it's not just that they're not executing. The play calling has been wonky. It has been inconsistent. And and at times, Filippo has been at, at odds with his head coach. Now, maybe if he's running the show, things are different. But I have to admit, 
what we've seen over the last few weeks from this team with plenty of talent, and I know they can't block, but you have you have Dalvin Cook and Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen and the and solid tight ends, a stable of running backs behind Dalvin Cook, even Latavius Murray is good, and you just paid a huge contract to Kirk Cousins to be the guy for your team, this offense should look better than it does. Part of that is on Kirk Cousins for not playing great, unless it's against the Packers, of course. But part of that is on the coach. And it, I tweeted this yesterday. The more I watch the Vikings, and we can you know, sort of did all this for the Titans with Matt LaFleur, the more I think Josh McDaniels is the right guy. And, and obviously, you know, listeners of the show for really any length of time over the last few weeks know he's my guy for this team and this job. And I think he wants the job. I think he's interested in the job. And I think Green Bay is going to be interested in Josh McDaniels for the job. I think it just, it makes so much sense. There are other names out there. But what I'm saying here is the the names beyond McDaniels, and I think Lincoln Riley is a close second, but I'm not convinced Lincoln Riley is going to leave OU. And, And Lincoln Riley is certainly a risk. If you're going to tier these, I think Josh McDaniels is number one with a bullet on his own, in his own tier. I understand the head coaching baggage and everything that comes with that. But the experience coaching Tom Brady allows him to immediately walk into this situation with the Packers and say, look, Aaron, you're just going to have to trust me on this one. And I think Aaron would. I got a, I get a lot of texts and, and tweets about this coachability thing with Rodgers. And at some point, we're going to take a whole show, I think, and address it because I think it is so vastly overblown and so overstated that he is like some prima donna, that he's some intransigent teenager who just, you know, it can't be bridled. Like he's some wild stallion that, you know, no one can get a saddle on him. Like, give me a break. Aaron Rodgers early in his career yeah, he was arrogant and and confident and full of swagger, but he didn't have the talent yet harnessed to back it up, and he let Mike McCarthy do it. He still got coached, and he took that coaching, and he developed, and he got better, and eventually, your head coach wears out his welcome in a place. Plenty of great coaches, John Madden, Bill Walsh, have felt like the, the shelf life of a head coach is 10 years. Aaron Rodgers took Mike McCarthy and vice versa, as far as they could go. I don't think this idea that Aaron Rodgers needs to be coddled or that he he, he somehow needs to be reeled in. I mean, it's odd that he's either so delicate that he needs someone to come in and tell him how great he is, or he is so stubborn and so pig-headed that he needs someone to come in and, and give him discipline. First of all, make up your mind, which is it, because fans can't seem to figure that out. But I also think neither of those narratives actually reflect reality. I think Rodgers is a highly intelligent, highly talented player who believes in his own work ethic, his own habits, and his own ability. And I don't think there's anything wrong with any of that. And I do think there are times when he thinks he knows better than the coach. Plenty of players feel that way. You've heard even some of the receivers like Greg Jennings who have bashed Rodgers in the past by the way, all, the only guys who do that are there's like two or three of them, and they played on the team six years ago. None of the none of the guys on the team now they, they talk mess about Rodgers. All they do is talk about what a leader he is. So I, that is just a narrative for another day for us to ad- address. 
But my point in all of this is saying if you're worried about any of that, whether you think he needs to be coddled or you think he needs to be disciplined, Josh McDaniels has the resume to say, look, look what I did with Tom Brady, a guy who does have an ego. Let's not pretend like Tom Brady doesn't have an ego. Or, I mean, be serious. And let's not pretend that he is not a stubborn, hard-headed, ultra-competitor just like Aaron Rodgers. And he's he has butted heads with McDaniels, but they've gotten past it, and they've won Super Bowls together. And he also understands we have to balance this with Jimmy Garoppolo, and we have to get him ready, and we, and we have to maximize his talent. And I don't think he gets enough credit for what went on with Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo in the wake of the Tom Brady suspension. And then bringing Tom back into the fold and everything that went down there, Josh McDaniel should get credit for. Not all of the credit, but he should get some credit. And so if what you want is to fix this thing and to give Aaron Rodgers the best opportunity to succeed, this is the guy. And I, I just don't see many options out there that that have a higher probability of success in fixing the one thing that needs fixing above all else. And that is the offensive scheme and the player's confidence in it, not just Aaron Rodgers. Because to a man, the Packers players have talked about buying into what Joe Philbin did from the start. Not just Aaron Rodgers, the other players have talked about it. And Joe Philbin was not a guy who got players to buy in in Miami in the same way. And that's one of the reasons why his head coaching tenure was a disaster. But these players know him, they like him, they've bought in. What they need is a new coach to get that buy-in. And the more I look around at the landscape, the more I think Josh McDaniels is the one guy who carries the least amount of risk. Hey, listen up, FanDuel Fantasy players. Your day is about to get 20% better. This is Vinny Iyer, host of Lockdown Fantasy Football here on the Lockdown Network, and I have an offer for you. Start playing fantasy this football season, and FanDuel will give you a 20% bonus on your first deposit. That's up to $500. That's a big-time bonus, and all you need to do to claim it is to make your first deposit on FanDuel. I love the fantasy contests they have on FanDuel. So many different ways to play, cash games, tournaments. I like to challenge myself there Take my fantasy football knowledge to the next level. Many different types of game formats you can pick from. Main slate, single game, best ball, snake draft. And you can even play private contests with your friends. And there's an awesome slate of games on hand every single week. You can get the players that you don't have in your redraft leagues into your lineup. Try to get that big time return on investment. Every week is a new chance for you to win big at FanDuel. And that's what I love about it. Experience season-long wins without the season-long wait. Sign up today at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your bonus and start playing today. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Agent location restrictions apply. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires after 30 days. He's got the highest floor of any candidate. And it's hard to imagine a candidate with a, with more upside. I think the only candidate out there with more upside is Lincoln Riley, and that has a much bigger bust potential given the hit rate of college coaches jumping to the pros. He's still a young guy. Is, is Aaron Rodgers going to be on board? And Winston Moss went on Colin Cowherd yesterday and said he thinks Rodgers should have input. He thinks Mark Murphy and Brian Gutekunst should say Aaron what are you looking for? Who do you like? And still make Murphy and Gutekunst the, the final say when it comes to who they're hiring, but give him the chance to offer some input. 
And that's a coach that allegedly had just called out his star quarterback. So I just find all of that interesting, and I think it's all information we need to take into account. I, I feel less confident in the other candidates, and this started with our conversation about John DeFilippo, who was a guy I liked for a long time and still like. I'm just not sure he's ready. And all this does for me is heighten the sense of urgency in hiring Josh McDaniels because I think he is, above all else, the clear-cut choice to replace Mike McCarthy in Green Bay. And speaking of the clear-cut choice, if you are trying to stay warm this winter, then you need clothes that will get you there. And sometimes just the clothing itself is not enough. Sometimes you need a little bit of a boost, and that is where action heat comes in. Action Heat is engineered to safely and efficiently deliver heat via heating panels similar to a heated car seat. Imagine taking a car seat and making a jacket out of it and you can just put it on and it's so warm. It's just nice. Like get, you know when you get in the car and it's freezing cold outside and you hit that seat warmer and in 5 minutes you're driving you're just like, "Oh yeah, that's the stuff." That is what Action Heat delivers, but in in more than just your seats. They have heated jackets, socks, gloves, hats, even undergarments like heated base layer shirts and long johns, which means you can stay warm and cozy from head to toe with Action Heat. Right now, my listeners get a special offer, 20% off your entire order when you go to actionheat.com slash locked on or use the coupon code locked on at checkout to save 20%. Stay toasty and warm all while you enjoy your outdoor activities this winter with Action Heat. I did want to hit on a little piece of news today as well that Reggie McKenzie is being fired in Oakland as the general manager and I obviously it's not fair to pin the Amari Cooper trade and Khalil Mack trade on McKenzie. Those were not his calls. He drafted those guys who are now leading teams into the playoffs. The Raiders are not doing that. And this was a power struggle that John Gruden won. It was a power struggle John Gruden was always going to win. And I think it makes a ton of sense to say, hey, Reggie, come home. And you might you might say, okay, well, John Dorsey could say the same thing in Cleveland. Well, John Dorsey just hired Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf to come to Cleveland. So the high, the high positions in that front office are full. Brian Gutekunst has Russ Ball, but beyond that, all of his senior lieutenants are less proven than McKenzie. And so bringing McKenzie back and giving him, him an opportunity to rehab his, his public image within the NFL, which I think should never have taken a hit to begin with. Everyone knows that this was John Gruden and not anyone else making these calls. That, that that there's no way Reggie McKenzie would have said, oh yeah, sure, we'll trade Khalil Mack. Oh yeah, sure, we'll trade Amari Cooper. Now, I still think they got a good value for Amari Cooper, a first round pick. That's still a trade I'm doing if I'm Oakland, if I don't think Amari Cooper is a, is a future part of this team. Uh, I'm, I will admit that I think that that is crazy that they thought that. But if you think that, getting a first round pick makes a lot of sense. That's going to be a pick in the late 20s. And maybe early 30s, I doubt it, but maybe, who knows? And if you're a team like Dallas, you make that trade because it helps them more. And this was this was part of this that I want to address as well. Colin Cowherd, in that interview with Winston Moss, mentioned the Khalil Mack trade and the Amari Cooper trade, giving up assets to get good players. 
Amari Cooper is not worth a first-round pick to Green Bay. Not every player is worth the same to every team because this is about marginal impact. How much better do you make a team? And if you're Dallas and your best receiver is Cole Beasley, who is a career slot receiver, who is, who is really just a complimentary piece. And they really like Michael Gallup out of Colorado State, the rookie. And I do too. And, and Dak Prescott must not because, man, he misses Michael Gallup a lot open down the field. But my point here is they don't have quality NFL players at receiver. So if you give up a first-round pick to get a player like Amari Cooper, he fills a huge and pivotal void in the Cowboys offense and can be a go-to player, a guy that you build your offense around, a guy that you treat like a first-round pick. Green Bay would not have used Amari Cooper that way. Amari Cooper is not getting 10, 12, 14 targets a game in the Packers offense because, simply put, he's not better than Devontae Adams. And Devontae Adams doesn't even get those kind of target numbers. He probably should, but he doesn't. So he would not have been worth a first-round pick to Green Bay. And I know a lot of fans get upset when they hear stuff like that. Well, oh, just pay whatever to get the players. Well, no, it doesn't work like that. You have to pay a, a price that is commensurate with that player's impact on your team, not just his impact in a vacuum because his impact will not be in a vacuum. There are plenty of teams for whom Amari Cooper would not be worth a first-round pick. Dallas is one of the few teams so bereft of talent at the skill positions that Cooper can come in and give them talent that replaces the value they're losing with that first-round pick. And they correctly surmised that if they get Cooper in and he can make the impact they think his talent says he could, that they become a player in the NFC playoffs. They were right about that. And it tracks because this was a team in 2016 that when they had Des Bryant, who was much better that season, they were close to unstoppable. And injuries to Dez in 2017, the Ezekiel Elliott suspension, injuries along the offensive line. This defense wasn't as good. Leighton Vanderesh, man, has changed that defense in a big way. They may be right now better than that 2016 team because they're better defensively. And this is without Sean Lee, who had been a bellwether for them in the past. Packer fans should not be annoyed that Brian Gutekunst didn't give up a first-round pick for Amari Cooper. But what they can be excited about is the potential of bringing back Reggie McKenzie, the guy who drafted Amari Cooper and the guy who drafted Khalil Mack because the Packers have experienced a brain drain. Losing Alonzo Highsmith and Elliot Wolf, that is a big loss in terms of the intellectual capital that walks out the door. Brian Gutekinds showed that that he's got plenty of skill in in maneuvering in the in the draft last year, in in drafting the players that he got, Jair Alexander is a star, but they could use another strong hand. And and I'm not worried about the too many cooks situation. I I don't think there are too many cooks, frankly. And I think that Mark Murphy taking a strong stance in this organization mitigates that issue because he can say, listen, everyone shut the, you know what, up. This is what we're doing. And when you have that kind of leadership, that makes life easier 
to bring in strong personalities. They had guys before in the organization who were really strong-willed and were really smart and really talented. And Brian Gutekunst and Elliot Wolf were interviewing for jobs every year. And they should have felt like their input really mattered. Reggie McKenzie could come to Green Bay knowing he's not the GM. He's here to add value, rehab his image, and hopefully get himself a new GM job in two years, three years. That is a great situation for him, and it's a great situation for Green Bay. Something that I think not only should both sides pursue, but I think it is something that is is absolutely on the table and, and could happen in the relatively near future. I think he'll wait and see if there are going to be GM openings in the offseason. And frankly, I don't think there will be that many. But a team like Arizona would be really smart. If they're going to move on from Steve Keim, I think that's a no-brainer. And, and there could be one or two other openings. There's going to be way more head coaching openings than there will be GM openings, which makes a reunion with the Packers, I think, a really smart idea for both sides. This episode is brought to you by Shell. College football is best enjoyed at home. You know, the home that has no rooms because it's a stadium of 70,000 screaming fans. But wherever you are, ESPN and Shell can take your fandom further with savings up to 15 cents per gallon for Fuel Rewards members at Shell. Welcome home, football fans. Terms and conditions apply. See fuelrewards.com slash fuel your fandom for details. Shell is an official sponsor of ESPN College Football. ESPN, the ESPN logo, and ESPN College Football are registered trademarks of ESPN Incorporated. This episode is brought to you by Philips One by Sonicare. One-up your brushing with Philips One. This one is the ideal one for those who are still using an old-school manual toothbrush. To all those people, it's time to take your brushing one level up. The solution is a simple one. It's the perfect timing one. It's the long-lasting battery-powered or USB rechargeable one. That comes in multiple colors to match you one. The one with a subscription that delivers new brush heads for just $5. Your teeth deserve this one. Philips One by Sonicare. One up your brushing. Learn more at philips.com slash one. That's P-H-I-L-I-P-S dot com slash O-N-E. All right. We will have our crossover Wednesday with our friend Lauren Cox tomorrow on the show. And then uh, hopefully a, a guest on Thursday. I'm not going to make any promises, but I'm working on it. So uh, we, we will we will see what we can do there. But this is a game with the playoff standings lining up for Green Bay. If, if Green Bay can somehow find a way to steal a win in Chicago and they're a touchdown underdog in Chicago, that line opened, by the way, at, at only about four points. And then after the Bears beat down the Rams, it, it got all the way up to a full touchdown. So... We'll see if that's where it stays. I think if Green Bay's offensive line can get healthy, Lane Taylor, Brian Bulaga in particular, that that line comes down a little bit. But Green Bay's certainly the underdog. They're going to have to play that card, and they're going to have to play a a great football game. As Joe Philbin said yesterday, they're going to have to play a complete football game to beat Chicago. But if they can, they put themselves right back in a position to compete in the NFC playoff race. And if they beat Atlanta and Chicago in back-to-back weeks, They suddenly look like a team no one wants to play. So that is the kind of thing you want to put in the minds of the Bears and the rest of the NFC because no one wants to see Aaron Rodgers in December and January. All right, remember, you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. 
where we post all of our episodes. Remember, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Leave a rating, a a five-star rating, a review would be great. Really helpful when it comes to iTunes rankings and giving people an understanding of why you like this show. And anytime you want to hit us up with the Locked On Packers fan hotline, you can do that, 920-341-3775 to let me know how you are staying Locked On Packers.